I find that when I write fiction, I sort of need to unhinge. I just sort of need to follow my emotions and thoughts. Um, that may change. But this is how um, my first novel began. As an exploration of an idea, I thought, what would it be like to be so confident as a girl or a young woman? You felt you could do anything. What is that feeling like? And it manifested itself as two teenagers swimming in the sea off the coast of a Caribbean island. island. That is Charmaine Wilkerson talking about her novel, Black Cake, which is now a television series on Hulu. This pod is really interesting, you guys. We're going to fast forward past these commercials. We'll be right back in just a few moments. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? Their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. 
Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and sociopolitical factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Welcome back to a new edition of Naked. Uh, Today on the pod, we have Charmaine Wilkerson. She's an award-winning writer and now a New York Times bestseller. She has a book out. It's called Black Cake. It debuted in February of 2022. It was her very first novel. Prior to that, she wrote short fiction stories. Prior to that, she was a journalist, uh, as what I do, a newspaper journalist writing for the UN. And then prior to that, her life, she was a woman of the world. She traveled um, extremely intelligent. She went to college when she was 16 years old. She went to Stanford for her graduate degree. She grew up in New York. Uh, She is Jamaican. She has a a list of things that say, check, 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 check. She fits all the boxes. Uh, But this particular pod is interesting to me because I've always toyed with the idea. And you guys, just just bear with me here. I've always toyed with the idea of writing a book. I have friends who've written books. I've talked about it here on the pod, but I've never felt motivated one. Uh, I never felt as if I had the patience to write an entire novel and also what am I going to say like why am I going to write a memoir what am I going to share that's how most people feel anyway um at least I do but today I've been influenced by our guest Charmaine Wilkerson she said some things that really that really registered for me there is value to writing and Writing is such a beautiful creative process, but we all have a story to tell. But here's what really blew me away. She said she was a journalist writing strictly about the facts, but she always had a love for fiction. And that's what Black Cake is. It's a fictional tale of a brother and sister who learn all these secrets about their family that they did not know. She said, but with fiction, you can also explore the truth. In fact, she suggests that fiction allows you to get to the truth more so more so than being a journalist and just telling the story with the facts. That just blew me away. With fiction, you can play with the idea of who these people are and where they lived and where they come from and what they experience. With fiction, you can toy with the idea of 
someone living a different life that they wanted to live and what if the what ifs the what ifs the what ifs can also explore the truth now outside of reading this book i want to encourage you all to watch the television series i don't know if you've seen it the black cake debuted on hulu just concluded this month you can binge it now all eight episodes and it is based on charmaine wilkerson's book it's called again black cake my producer watched the first 15 minutes and she was hooked. Uh, she said she wanted to stop watching and read the book. That's how good it was. So it's the holiday season. And while you're listening to this podcast and catching up, I definitely encourage you to check out Black Cake on Hulu. Support Charmaine Wilkerson. And you're going to absolutely enjoy this podcast because not only is she dropping gems, her voice is so melodic and soft and she's so full of eloquence or elegance perhaps both. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I really, truly enjoyed listening to her talk and tell her story because we all have a story to tell. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Naked. Congratulations. You are a New York Times bestselling author. You started off as a journalist. I love that because that is what I am. And from my understanding, um, you always loved books, grew up around books, knew that you should be a writer. How does one know that at such a young age? When did you fall in love with the idea of maybe I will write, I will storytell? Well, as long as I can remember, I liked writing stories, scribbling stories, making them up. I think, um, you know, all of us are storytellers. Our identities are formed by the stories that are told to us and the stories we tell others. Um, but, you know, I used to like to write and wrote my little poems and as I got older, I would actually write ideas. Often it was just journaling. But what I noticed is, as I'd write, I'd sort of want to wander off and make stuff up. So as a journalist, you don't do that. As a journalist, you have this wonderful world of listening to people and their stories. They're not always great stories. They're not always happy, but sometimes they are. Um, <laughs> but you're learning about people. You're learning about your community. You're You're thinking about the problems of the world and the the privileges of being in this yep. world. So that's a form of storytelling, but I always sensed that I wanted to sort of make up my own tales and follow characters because um, I think that sometimes fiction allows us to get closer to the truth than what we call fact-based writing, you know, the journalism, because we dare to look straight into the the abyss of certain human experiences sometimes when we're allowed to invent, when we're allowed to explore and follow fictional characters. Sometimes in real life, IRL, it's difficult to look at the world. That's interesting. I, I, I love this perspective and I want to discover that a little bit because I've never heard. So writing fiction allows you to get closer to the truth as opposed to writing the truth in general? I wouldn't say that one excludes the other, but I feel that. I feel that fiction, you know, storytelling, the, the films, the books, they help us to live certain experiences or ask certain tough questions that may be difficult in real life. Well, perhaps when we're doing more structured communication, journalism is vital. But it must be done with certain deadlines under certain circumstances. And really, you need to stick to what you're looking at at the time. Well, maybe I like to think about 
identity and the power that stories have to shape our identities, whether they are told or not. Maybe I would like to see um, a story come a little closer to the world that I do see around me, um, a more diverse world, um, a world in which there are more gray areas, but um, perhaps there's still hope for redemption if there are difficulties. You know, fiction allows us to explore all of these things. I love that. You then, this is, I'm going to explore that concept, but from my understanding, and while as a journalist, this is what I would, this is what I would feel and what I'm able to understand. We have to stick to the facts, tell the facts. We're not allowed to, you know, color outside the lines. Rarely do you give your opinion, which we always do though, but you, you, you start off as a reporter, if you will, in terms of your profession, working um, at the UN, I believe, and you are writing stories about agriculture and, and you're getting into the weeds of the who, what, when, where, how, and why. As you're doing this, are you fulfilled? Are you still thinking, I'm going to transition? Or are you, or, but when you start off as a reporter, this is where you see your career heading early on. I always wanted to write stories. I just wasn't sure how to go about doing that. You know, I went to college at a fairly early age. How old were you, if you don't mind me? I was 16 when I started college. I just turned 16. So that was pretty young. And it was a great experience. Had a great time. But, you know, there is development that takes place in the mind of a young person at a later stage. So I... I went to graduate school because I couldn't think of what to do with myself. I wanted to write stories, but I, I didn't have the resources to support that, nor was I really ready to sort of pursue that path. Um, and journalism was a wonderful way. I mean, I discovered that it was a wonderful way to be part of a community, mm-hmm. to meet people. And I was curious about the world. It was a very time-consuming way of working. But I got to read and write and speak to people and listen to their stories. So life takes you along a path and you have other interests. And one of those other interests remained telling fictional stories. But I didn't spend a lot of time doing that. It was years later that I sort of thought, I I still have this need, but maybe I need to take a step back from the fact-based writing because that's about structure, it's about controlling the narrative, it's about being fast, you know. It's a skill that a lot of people don't appreciate, you know. Um, and, and really, we have to work within the confines, because it's, it's, it's about trying to share some information, not all, mm-hmm. so that people who are listening or reading can then pick up the ball and run with that and try to find information elsewhere. So um, it, it, has a, it plays a vital role. I worked in fairly traditional news. You know, I was in television news in Connecticut and in California. Yeah. And then I moved to Italy um, mm-hmm. for personal reasons and really sort of needed to make do and continue to work in news, but had the good fortune to discover other ways of communicating. And working within the UN was, was one of those. One of those ways. It, it doesn't feel like it's far-fetched for you to go from, because the worlds are still the same. You're still telling stories. Um, uh, but then you do this transition and you, and, and you, you mentioned it, you led me there. So why not? You, you go, you move to Italy. Um, and from my understanding, you are from New York. 
Were you from New York? So I'm from New York originally. I did live in the Caribbean for a bit for um, for a few years in my childhood, and um, but graduated college and graduate school in the U.S. Worked in California, moved to Europe. Okay, what a lovely life. What a, I mean, I envy. <laughs> I envy because I love Europe, and I'm like, gosh, is there a way? As you just said, the life that you're living. Is there a way for me to go live in Paris? As a reporter, how how can I do that? I often ask my agent, "How can we make that happen?" But you 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 move to Italy, um, and you're writing short stories. When do your short fictional stories? Um, and I believe they have a, a a title or a they're they're called a certain type of story. What are, what is it called? I know what you're thinking about. I have written short stories that are fairly traditional, a couple, but I did a lot of flash fiction writing. And those are extremely short stories. Um, About a thousand words or so? Yeah, they're defined as being, and so what does a thousand words mean to someone who doesn't work with words? Just a couple of pages. Yeah. Sometimes a paragraph long. Oh, um, well. Yeah, and I think that may have been the influence of television. You know, you need to quick tell a story in very little time and move on. And I think that that was some of the influence, but I've always been fascinated by the way in which you can just sort of drop into a story um, and jump out of it and leave the reader with a feeling. And um, it sort of has a beginning, middle, and end, but you don't begin once upon a time, and Mm -hmm. then they lived happily ever after. But the story's there. Yeah. I flash fiction. That's it. And then do you know while you're writing flash fiction and other and other for in other stories that are fiction stories that you've become popular that this is um you are wanted that you are um becoming making a name for yourself are you realizing that as it's happening oh no not at all i um i had an idea for a novel and actually wrote an entire thing of probably 300 pages never saw the light of day but it was fun and it was interesting and I just write little bits as I went along, and I always wrote in short scenes. And so I discovered a whole community of people who were writing entire stories in what I call short scenes, like flash fiction. Mm-hmm. And I just did that because I wanted to write. And it was possible to put stories online and not worry about trying to find a publisher in we're a here. big way. It was a way of communicating the world. So. At a certain point, I thought I was working on um, a couple of short stories, and one of them started to grow. And suddenly I thought, no, no, this is another novel now. So I'll just follow it and see where it's taking me. Yeah. And um, one day I was writing about this story in the Caribbean, and a cake came up. It was a black cake. And suddenly I realized, aha, uh-huh, and this novel is going to have the name Black Cake in the title because suddenly I see the whole world. I see all of the major events. um, And they're still short scenes, but now it's an entire novel. I just sort of fell backwards into that. Wait, wait, wait. So tell me how Black Cake, how you saw Black Cake, it became a series of stories which became a best-selling novel, which became this television series. Several years ago, I, I made a conscious decision to do a little less of the other writing and reading and just allow myself to write fiction because it's a different process. You know, we talked about 
communicating either for corporate communications or journalism, uh, being something that really requires quick research, a lot of control. You need to think about time. You need to think about, you know, for whom you're communicating. Uh, it's a very specific job. And sure. so I find that when I write fiction, I sort of want to unhinge. I just sort of want to follow my emotions and thoughts. Um, that may change. But this is how um, my first novel began. Uh, as an exploration of an idea, I thought, what would it be like to be so confident as a, as a girl or a young woman? You felt you could do anything. What is that feeling like? And it manifested itself as two teenagers swimming in the sea off the coast of a Caribbean island. And that was like a short story. It was a scene. But then it began to grow. And in the meantime, I'd written about other ideas, people and things they were going through. And something they had in common was this idea of each one of them felt pretty good about themselves. But some of them were struggling against the expectations and stereotypes of other people. And that sort of set them up for a bit of drama. So at a certain point, the two girls swimming off the coast of the Caribbean island uh, who feel that they can pretty much do anything because they're exceptionally strong and they're young and they, they have dreams, uh, they get themselves into trouble. Things start to happen and they don't happen according to what they want. But because they are exceptional uh, young people and very strong, they don't quite question their ability to face those challenges. They just keep going. How free. And in, yeah, it, it feels great, but it, it's actually, it, it, you know, therein lies the drama of that particular right. novel. Things begin to go very wrong, actually, <laughs> as they do in life. And, and they react as people yeah. do in life. You know, this yeah. is a universal story, ultimately, about, you know, love and friendship and loss and betrayal and second chances and persevering and what you have to do to survive and go beyond that to thrive. Hey, y'all, I appreciate your patience. Uh, we have to take a quick break, and you know what that means. You can fast forward, as mentioned, but we're going to pay some bills, and we'll be right back in just a few moments with Charmaine Wilkerson. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is gonna make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating 
for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion. That girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Get naked with Charmaine Wilkerson is back with us. She's a New York Times best-selling author. Her very first novel is on the New York Times best-selling list. And also, if you didn't know, Black Cake is now a television series on Hulu. Sit back, relax, and listen to Charmaine tell us more about the writing process. Black Cake is the novel. You guys can get it anywhere. You get your books, uh, Amazon, uh, support your local bookstore. Uh, Charmaine, what is a Black Cake? A black cake is a name that some people in the Caribbean give to a traditional Caribbean fruitcake. And the cake resembles a uh, British plum pudding. Only the fruit that go, the fruits 
Well, as, as people often call them, the fruits that go into the cake are soaked in rum and sometimes port. And there is a lot of dark brown cane sugar. So you see that these ingredients reflect the Caribbean a bit more than the cold north. And it's a recipe that reflects changes over time, a mixing of cultures, a certain kind of history that went from colonialism and forced labor and monocropping to a modern-day society of a combination of cultures. And black cake is a celebratory thing. It's You might not like it, but a lot of people love it. And it's about Christmas and weddings and making it with great care and giving it to other people. But it also symbolizes an entire history of a specific region, the Caribbean, and how that came about. What is that history? Just a brief... So, so I mentioned the idea that um, it it resembles a plum pudding, for example, the, mm-hmm. or the, the English plum pudding. Mm-hmm. How did that recipe, using fruits that came from other areas, end up in a place like the Caribbean being, uh, you know, being uh, changed into a recipe that used rum and dark brown cane sugar? It came about because you have colonialism that brought people to the Caribbean. You have agriculture that began to use, that began to um, produce sugarcane. And from sugarcane, you get sugar and rum. You have, in the meantime, economic changes and political changes that mean you have chattel slavery. You had colonialism. You had certain people being forced to labor as uh, enslaved persons. You also had indentured servants from other cultures. And all of that helped to create a, a very strong economy based on the appeal of sugarcane and what it could produce. Um, and it was done, it was a very cost-effective manner um, because obviously people were producing things that were earning money without the compensation of the people who were producing um, uh, these products. Of course, then the world evolves and you get past that point to a certain extent, but it leaves the history. So you have a whole change in the Caribbean region because of everything that happened. And you have a recipe that recalls that past, but which has become a beloved recipe. It's evolved. It's changed. It's developed its own traditions and its own significance in the lives of new generations. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this particular novel, the black cake is both a celebration of a current day, his, uh, current day traditions it, and a reference to past, to the past, for better or worse. And it's also part of the plot. There's a cake in the plot. Um, and so when it popped up, I sort of suddenly saw the potential and again, in my imagination, a whole story came up, and I just started writing uh, the different scenes I kept writing. It becomes, Black Cake, guys, becomes a NYT, New York Times bestseller. Uh, I, I'm so fascinated by that, only because I have, as I mentioned, as a journalist, I have so many friends who attempt or who have written books, and they don't become bestsellers, and it's really disappointing for them because they're really super overachievers. It sounds to me that you wrote this because you really had a 
a beautiful mind and a story to share. Um, when that happens, when it ends up on this prestigious list, does it add any pressure? Um, does it validate or does it make you feel like my job here is done? Oh, all of these different dimensions are very interesting. First of all, thank you for using the phrase a beautiful mind with a story to tell. Um, that's more or less what you said. Um, everyone has a beautiful mind and everyone yeah. has a story to tell. Story to tell. You know, we are all storytellers. That's how we form our cultures. That's how we build our families. That's how we grow our identities. The stories that are told to us and the stories that we share. But of course, not everyone sits down to write. It's something I need to do. You know, it, it's something I've always needed to do. Um, so there was great joy in having the privilege of being able to publish a story that I'd written. Because I'm a reader first, and I wanted to share that with other readers. So that was wonderful. Um, all the rest is, you know, it's structural, it's good luck, it's the hard work of people who supported me and went to other people and said, take a look at this book. Would you consider either first publishing it? Would you consider maybe buying it? So there's a whole collaborative effort. Um, I'm immensely grateful, but I am daily aware that there are so many people writing wonderful stories. Um, not everyone can follow the same path. What I found with flash fiction is that with the world of the internet and with many small presses out there and independent presses, people do have the opportunities to publish stories, but the experience will be different from one person to the next. Uh, by all means, when you say, oh, did you say my job is done or that's all that. No. Did you feel like I did it? You know, was there a relief? Was there a, um, a validation, if you will? Certainly there was a relief in knowing that I had an opportunity to publish this long body of work, not body of work, this long piece of work, 400 page novel. Um, and it was like an open door because I'm working on another novel because yeah. I want to keep doing this. And that's yeah. wonderful. Um, validation only in one sense. You know, you write something and you never know. Will it be published? Won't it be? Statistically, it's very difficult. So I have great respect for that. And I understood that there were no guarantees. What I felt at a certain point was that I would keep on writing because I'd, I'd do, redirected my life to put enough time into doing the writing. Writing is a creative process. The writing itself is of value. And it should always be seen as being of value. Then you see if you publish or you don't. And obviously, that has a certain, um, I don't want to say pleasure to it, but it has a certain value to it as well. But it's not the writing. The writing is something else. Then what you do with it, you see what happens. Um, going back to your question of the idea of validation, here's where I feel um, publication can be a validating force. Uh, it is when you try to tell a story that has a diverse cast of characters, as does Black King. And when you see that other people pick up on that idea and then work very hard with so many other creative um, individuals to take that story to the screen, as has happened with this particular novel, there is a validation of just one thing, the idea that fiction 
storytelling, meaning making up stories, can help us sometimes, as I mentioned before, to get closer to the truth. Because an invented story can reflect more of the truth in the world sometimes than we are allowed to do when we tell our journalistic stories or we write a report on a project. It's not that those stories don't have validity. It's that they must, by nature, by dint of what they're, they're supposed to be doing, they're going to be fairly limited. They're going to be of great value. But you're doing one thing. Novel, a novel or, for example, a collection of stories or even poetry and certainly a screen series can allow a person to wander through the world, wander through the community of characters in your world and explore different issues. Um, sure, there's a central story. Blackcake is about this brother and sister from California who find out that their Caribbean-born mother had a hidden past. And there's a lot of drama right there. And what is that going to mean for them and their relationship? They're already estranged. And their emotional hurt at having lost their mother and now at having to wonder, well, if she didn't tell us the truth about that, what about our relationship? What about us as people? There are all of these questions. And there's a lot of drama in the past as they learn about their mother's story. Ultimately, this is a story that could be anyone's story, only it's told with a diverse cast. There are black and brown and Asian and white people, and there are people of color who are central to the story, and their experiences as people of color have, have play a role in the story, but ultimately they are living experiences that people of different cultures live people of different genders, people from different walks of life. They are challenges that are existential, emotional, professional, uh, you know, and so that for me was validation. The, the joy of seeing that people were able to tell this story and now they're telling it in different media. So you have a book, you have a series which tells a different version. And so... um that's the only thing that validation means. The idea that for anyone who's telling a story, we're now at a threshold in storytelling where I think we're beginning to be able to tell universal stories with a cast of characters in a way that we weren't allowed to in the past. I, that's what I think diversity in storytelling is. It's not about numbers. Who do you have in there? Do you have one of these? Do you have a few of those? No, it's about, can we tell a story that a lot of people can appreciate? A story that crosses time, that goes to different locations, that deals with different emotions and challenges, that puts certain kinds of people front and center. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. 
Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and sociopolitical factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Connected world. Do you? Do Ida, I didn't download, but I think I, I might just for my own value. Do you, did you do the audio on this or did someone else do the audio? No, the amazing thing is two talented actresses, just two people did the audio. <laughs> I wasn't one of them. And <laughs> they, they managed to capture a number of different characters. And also one of them was the narrator. I don't know how they did it. It was brilliant. Only reason why I ask is because um, the way in which you t- describe this and tell this story is so beautiful and so captivating. And the words that you're using, writing it of itself is value, and especially in a day and age when all we do is text and type. Pin to paper is beautiful and maybe perhaps seemingly archaic, but there is value to that. And then the idea that fiction also allows us to tell the truth blows my mind. But you're right. Why not explore all the things? Like, it's absolutely wonderful to listen to that, listen to hear you say that. Um, and then we get this this beautiful uh, manifestation, which is Black Cake. And again, you guys go out and get the book. But now we have, from my understanding, uh, a bidding war to turn this book into a series. And by now, Charmaine, I am, I'm wondering to myself, I don't know about you, but I'd be like popping my collar. I'd be like, mm, I am all that. Thank you. I don't know if you feel that, (laughs) but congratulations. I just am excited for this. This is beautiful to me. This is really beautiful that this fiction is being explored and uh, and celebrated and why you may not have done it for that reason. Um, When you see your book um, as as a series, Obviously, something will be left out. My producer's words were, I should stop watching and go read the book. Her words. <laughs> you watch it. What do you feel as you are watching the series? Obviously, everything can't be in there. It's television, guys. It's television. But how did you feel? It's interesting because, of course, I followed a process where I didn't just see the series. I was involved. And so I saw scripts. And I saw um, the episodes before they were finalized. And throughout the process, I did not expect what was on the screen to be what is on the page. Um, But I was excited to see that the screenwriters and the actors and other creative um, individuals who were working on building this illusion, this thing that goes on the screen, um, you know, that crossed more than 50 years um, in terms of time that uh, was filmed in a number of different locations that allowed us to see certain actors aging significantly. I was excited to see that this production managed to capture the heart of this story. It does not have everything that is in the novel, but here's what's fun. You look at the screen and you see things that the novel doesn't have because it's a different experience. So it's big and bright and the locations are lush and the actors put their own lives into the characters. I like that they're not exactly the same because I wrote a book and I hope that people will have the time to read that novel because the novel has its own structure and tells the story in a different way. But it's, 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 been, it's been exciting to see that um, come to life. 
Why do you think there was, um, uh, for lack of a better word, a fight, a bidding war to to over this particular book to turn to bring it to the to the screen, if you will? Well, you know, I think people use the term bidding war. You're a communicator, so you okay, know. Okay, 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 good, good. Okay, it's you're like, very well, sexy sounding, you know, it bidding war is amazing. a very sexy term. Yeah, sounds it sounds amazing, great. Charmaine. It sounds amazing. <laughs> but what it, I, think what it, <laughs> I think what it really means is that a number of people liked the idea and they found it interesting and they wanted to see if they could offer their own interpretation or amplification or extension of the story. And so that's very appealing. And I think what it means is people say, oh, gee, we would like to do that. And then someone else would, will say, but we would like to do that. And then there are discussions. One exciting thing about this um, series, and perhaps I shouldn't go into too much detail, but I will say this, is that you had a couple of people who were interested independently, and they thought, well, why don't we get together and do this? And that's what happened. So you have Oprah Winfrey's Harper Films. You have Marissa Jo Sarar, um, who has been a showrunner on other productions and created other um, shows. And she's working with Capital Entertainment. And um, you have some other executive producers who got together and pooled their resources and their ideas and started building this. I... I'm blown away. I absolutely am. I, I am thrilled uh, for everyone to read this book, uh, perhaps listen to it. Look at all the different ways in which we can experience it. Um, maybe all three and then watch the series um, on Hulu. Eight episodes, from my understanding, the last concluded um, this month, but it's still there. So binge away. <laughs> and looking ahead, what's next for Charmaine Wilkerson? Well, I'm currently writing a second novel, and um, I hope that'll, you know, be ready in about a year or so. Um, but it's it's wonderful. This is one of the things that has happened as a result of the work on the first novel. I've been offered the privilege of working on yet another story. It's another multi-generational tale. It does go back into the past. But the relationship's a bit different. It's a different kind of drama. Um, it, it still explores issues of identity, the different. I'm fascinated, especially as a woman who identifies as a woman of color, who comes from a multicultural family. I think a lot about identity, but I'm fascinated by the forces that help us to shape our identities that may not be as obvious. You know what I mean? So you might say, okay, I'm a journalist. Okay, I'm a woman of color. All right, I'm this. But um, our identities are shaped by stories. They are shaped by memories. They are shaped by the importance of family heirlooms, of recipes, as in the case of black cake. But it's all about how how is your idea of self and your view of the world shaped by these forces? And then how will they determine your reactions when things go awry? You know, how do they either equip you or um, derail you as you try to face life? Yeah, equip or derail. Oh, gosh. I um, I I really want to tell you this is so encouraging. And I, I love this idea. I am terrified of the idea of writing, but everyone has a story. And I feel very 
um, inspired to start like with a short story. Like I don't have to dive into a novel. I can start into I can start with short stories. Um, I love this idea. And I love that you've been able to um, share this gift and, in more ways than one. I think that's beautiful. It just is. Um, Charmaine, I'm going to become the biggest fan and promote you. Um, and I am, again, just thrilled. It makes me happy. I, it just does. It feels very genuine and authentic and, and right, if that makes sense. And all the way from Italy, we're doing a we're doing this podcast here in Italy. Can I ask you what time it is there? I have no idea. Right. I, I actually live in Italy, but this particular week I'm in London. Oh, <laughs> so I'm, Right. So I'm um, GMT right now, which means five hours ahead of the East Coast, eight hours ahead of the West Coast, to get yeah. an idea. And in Italy, it's even later. So it was quite an adventure launching my book in the pandemic online because I was doing some calls at two in the morning and that was yeah. an adventure. No, it's fine. I listen, please correct me. We had a we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago with a, a gentleman by the name of Bobby Wine and he was in London. Um, I feel mm. like we're taking this internationally, guys. I'm getting excited about it. Uh, Charmaine Wilkerson, thank you so much for uh, joining Naked and being as honest as you are. It's so, so eloquent. Just lovely. Uh, and I wish you nothing but the best future success. I'm sure that's not something you need. You will already have that, but I wish you nothing but the best. Well, thank you so much and keep writing because again, you know, um, we all have stories to tell and that's how we communicate with one another. One another, one another, one another. Charmaine Wilkerson, uh, again from London. We're in an international, y'all, podcast in London. I'm thinking that's where we should go next. We should just go do a live show in London with different guests. Let's see if we can get Black Effect to, to cover that. Meanwhile, uh, I hope you really enjoyed this interview with Charmaine Wilkerson. Again, please support. Go out and buy that book. That New York Times bestseller. We can always get more help, right? And definitely check out the series that is on Hulu. Uh, it is the holidays. And so normally this time of year could possibly bring some people sadness because some people just don't like to celebrate the holidays, believe it or not. Uh, but what I do find very interesting and why we were able to have a, a writer, a award-winning writer on the show today is because I find that if we can really control our thoughts and find things to do during these times, during the holidays where people sometimes are very sad, it opens up our world. And I do believe Black Kate can do that. Uh, again, support Charmaine Wilkerson, buy the book, watch the show. Um, it will definitely be edifying for you. We will be back next week. Thank you for listening to Naked. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears. Real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. 
You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.